Gentlemen, you don't have enough talent to win on talent alone. Hello and welcome to the Talent Alone Podcast, podcast brought to you by The Wheel. I am your host, Adam Hess, and with me as always, Mike, somebody told me that you had a girlfriend that looked like a boyfriend that I had in February of last year, Regan. I'm not going to repeat the whole thing. So, Mike Regan, how are you doing today? Great. That's fantastic. I love the uh, I love the Killers tribute at the beginning. I got college football on the telly as we record, recording back to back pods. So we should be very warmed up to kick out a good one. And my knees are feeling it. No, Mike, we're doing, we're the Killers this week. Oh, that's right. Fucker. <laughs> no, the Killers. Just to start from the top. We have some big news items this week. We got to get out of the way before we get into our normal gimmicks. So for starters, Deshaun, touch my penis, Watson, out for the rest of the season with a shoulder injury that's going to require surgery. Mike, is the NFL better or worse without Deshaun Watson in it? It is way better without him in the league, and it should be the way it was for a indefinite. Or it should be the way it was always. No team should touch him. Sorry, I'm not going to go off on that. <laughs> yep, and that is all the screen time I want to give to Deshaun, touch my penis, Watson. Uh, second up, and I would say the second most important story of the week, Ken Dorsey gets shown the door. Let's see, coming off a Monday night loss to the Broncos, Ken Dorsey gets fired. I assume they just left him in Denver. They were in Buffalo. It was a home game. I'm aware. They sent him. They actually put him on the plane with the Broncos. Sent him to Denver. He was doing high knees in the aisle with Russell Wilson on the way back. Yeah. Josh Allen blames himself for Ken Dorsey losing his job. Yeah. For my first question for you, Mike, as the resident Buffalo fan, is this the karma from you talking shit about Dak Prescott all, all of last year? Is that where this is coming from? You're talking so much shit about Dak Prescott leading the league in interceptions. Well, guess who leads the league in interceptions this year, Mike? Josh Allen. It's heard. Josh Allen. So, let's, let's start here. Was this firing justified? Um, well, real quick. I do, I do feel for Josh because after, like, it was strong rumors were like, yeah, Dabble's good, probably going to, like, he's going to leave. Josh came out and was like, I want, I'd want Dorsey to take over. So I'm sure it is rough for him to see him go. I think it is, I think it is justified. I think we saw rock bottom for that offense against Denver. And it, it just, it, it was not clicking what Dorsey was doing. I could not get a sense for what, all season, I'm able to get a sense for what he wants this offense to be. If I may retort simply, the Bills' problem right now is not the offense. You keep saying that, but this game, you can't take that stance. I can take that stance, and I will take that stance. For starters, they are still yeah. second in the league in EPA per play. I'll agree with you that for some reason, they just seem to sometimes abandon the run when the run's working for them, especially against a Broncos defense, whose only good players are in the secondary. But, oh, sorry, the Bills are third in EPA per play. Ken Dorsey gets fired coming off of a four-turnover game. The offensive coordinator wasn't calling the turnover plays. One of those was a tip ball. One of them was through Gabe Davis's hands. Two of them were fumbles. None of that is on the offensive coordinator. It also came off of a game that ended because of a last-second field goal due to a defensive and special teams fuck-up. 
neither of which, most importantly, neither the defense or special teams were coordinated by offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey. No, you're you're right from that standpoint. And the 12 men on the field just threw like 12 logs on the fire for me to be like, McDermott, I can't anymore. Um, like I already had to watch Notre Dame lose because they couldn't, they had one too few men and couldn't count to 11. And now I got a team that I don't, I don't know what they, they can't count either, I guess. So that, that was really bad. And that wasn't on Dorsey at the same time, not to be that guy, but did we deserve to win that game? You turned the ball over four times. You struggle all night to move the ball offensively. Somehow this, luckily it was the Broncos offense. So this deep, our defense was able to not get totally blown out, but yeah. And in this game, that Ken Dorsey got fired because there's a, like if the Broncos missed the field goal like they initially did, Ken Dorsey doesn't get fired today or on Monday. Sean McDermott, first off, is him top of all is responsible for the 12 men on the, the field. That's the buck stops with me when my team's undisciplined. He immediately threw the special teams coordinator on the bus, but that's on Sean McDermott. Second, Sean McDermott's calling the defensive plays and he called back to back zero blitzes. One was successful, so he called it again, but he called a zero blitz on a play where they just needed to not give up four or five yards. Like, that is the ultimate drop eight play. Just get everyone in zone. If Russell Wilson wants to run for four yards, let him. You just can't give up eight, nine yards on that last play. But they zero blitz, they give up the distance, and then they have 12 men on the field. Will Lutz misses the field goal, but they get another shot at it from even closer. Yeah, and also McDermott coaches the defense, and... You know, that penalty doesn't look good. That I, I mean, it's on Sharon Johnson, but you got to get your head back. Like, it's frustrating. You got to get your head back. Just look back at the ball for a second and look back at the ball and you could have just fell backwards onto the receiver, but you're looking at the ball yeah. and you have a, and you have a right to it. So it's okay. Um, this does feel like McDermott sacrificed Dorsey to try to save his job. To be like, hey, look, I'm making... I guess it was probably a Bean and McDermott decision. Or is that a McDermott decision, you think, to fire the OC? I think that it's a Bean and McDermott, but those two guys are in lockstep on how do we save our jobs. Yeah. And the answer is scapegoat after scapegoat. Leslie Frazier already scapegoated. Mm -hmm. Only got so many guys left on the team you can fire. Yeah. It was like to show the owners, like, hey, don't worry, we're we're making changes. We got rid of, you know, the offense wasn't clicking. We, We got rid of Ken Dorsey. But you know what was really sad about this for me? What's that? Is I constantly pick on teams who are struggling or are bad and they're super old. Uh, and that's what the Bills are this year. <laughs> so it's some karma coming around to bite me on the ass. The Bills have just atrocious injury luck so far this year, too, which is it's worth noting. Injuries are typically random. Now, there's some re-injuries, like Tony Romo with his clavicle. Once you break a clavicle, it becomes significantly more likely you'll break it again. But they've just, every, every quality player on their defense has been hurt at some point or is out for the season. So, you can, you can talk your way out of the defense on that, but that's also something, big pain in the ass thing Sean McDermott's doing. Sean McDermott, Kansas offensive coordinator, with once again, the third highest EPA per play in the league, and follows it up by blaming the special teams coordinator and talking about how hurt the defense is. How about some fucking accountability, Sean McDermott? Yeah, especially like you said on the play calling on that drive. I feel like there were stretches of the game where McDermott wasn't willing to be aggressive, and then in the times where, you know, it's time to pull him back, 
and just stop the first down from happening, give him four, don't give him five or whatever. He is like, now we're going for the blitz. Now we're going to get him. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's weird. And it, like it ties into the Josh Allen thing. It, just to comment on that. But Josh, you always take the good with the bad. He's going to do both, something. There you have. Yeah. The facts, the facts of, of life. The facts of Josh. That he's going to do crazy things that you're like very few, if any other quarterbacks can do that. And then he may try to force the ball, but really only the one intercept, his second interception was his fault. That was it. Nothing else. You know, the first one wasn't his fault. If you're I think Josh Dave, Allen has been stellar this year. Yeah, I don't think he's been as bad as some people who don't obviously don't watch games and just look at a box score and go, oh, look at all the interceptions. He's terrible this year. It, like, you're, okay, you're not watching the game. And that, that is just, like, if you're Gabe Dave for that first interception, I know we don't want to spend too much time on this, obviously, but if you're Gabe Dave for that first interception, you know your quarterback. He's going to put zip on that ball, and you have to be ready to take that in. There's, there's no excuse. I desperately need time travel to be invented so I can go back and show 2020 and 2021 Mike a clip of him talking about how you have to watch the games to know Josh Allen's good when you were bitching and moaning about Dak Prescott for years. Oh, he has so many turnovers. He's such a good quarterback, and you have spent your entire fucking life complaining that Dak Prescott has too many turnovers. No, I'm not. I said the turnovers are concerning, and I said he doesn't have the legs anymore that he used to have ever since the injury. And so those are my things against Dak. But no, you're right. I mean, you can go back to first year, Josh, which was really rough. And I was like, no, there's still like one play game where you're like, oh, I can see what this can be. 2020, Josh, you started making strides. We make, we make the playoffs. Like, it's been growth throughout the years. But Ken Dorsey, you may have been a sac- sacrificial lamb. For that, I apologize. I don't know how well it goes to be like, all right, plug Joe Brady in there. He, in six days, because we played on one day, is going to fix the offense. <laughs> Good luck with that. Last note, last question. Scale of 1 to 10, how hot is Sean McDermott's seat right now? He misses He misses the playoffs he's done. Maybe even if they slide in and he gets knocked out in the first or second round and it's a one-sided game, he's done. There is I saw someone post it. They're like they go to the AFC Championship game and, you know, they scored some points late to make that game look better than it was, but for the most part, Kansas City handled us. Second year, we go to the divisional round. We learn we lose in 13 seconds. Last year, we're out in divisional round. We yeah, but we get our ass kicked in the divisional round. And then this year, it's looking the math is just working out where it's like crap. Are we going to make the playoffs? When you see a regression like that, you look at the head coach and start to question. This is this argument's been so frustrating, and I know we're just going to spend 45 minutes of this fucking podcast talking about the Bills. But this argument's been so frustrating to me that people are like, look at this regression and what's been going on. A, it's football. It's the any given Sunday league. This isn't basketball. We're not watching a team make the Western Conference Finals and then steadily lose seven game series all the way until they miss the playoffs entirely. This is the any given Sunday league. There is such a small sample size to be successful that every individual loss is important. Second, you do the like, oh, they made the conference championship. The next season, the team played better. They lost in 13 fucking seconds. Because McDermott. Maybe because of McDermott, but also because Patrick Mahomes is an alien. 
Yeah. If it had flipped the other direction, Josh Allen could have made that drive in 13 seconds. There is 13 seconds between Sean McDermott getting a guaranteed 10-year contract and Sean McDermott being on the hot seat. And then against Cincinnati, A, Lou Anarumo called a game that was out of his fucking gourd on defense <laughs> against Buffalo. And that was the snowiest snow game that season. It's just so weird that the talk has become, oh, this negative regression. Because we're just looking at the results orientation and not the process. Josh Allen has gotten better every year. Continuing to this year, Josh Allen has gotten better every year. The offense has gotten better every year. And we're out here talking about how this team is getting worse because we're only looking at the results of one game at a time instead of looking at the process as a whole. So... I just can't agree with this offensive point, and I think it's kind of like in hockey. Or EPA it, per play. Yeah, I think it's like in hockey where you see underlying numbers, but the team's not scoring. Like it's great the EPA per play, but they're not. That EPA per play isn't translating into the on the scoreboard. Still this making is, a results based argument instead of process. This is now five straight games, basically since Miami. Yeah, since Miami, we haven't got over 30 points. Our highest scoring game was 25 against the Patriots. Like that, that, and now, I will agree, like you said, week to week, any given Sunday, all, five, all four of our losses, all five of our losses are one-score games. So I, I will give you that point. Just uh, pulling this up here real quick. Uh, on the season, Josh Allen has 11 interceptions and a handful more fumbles. He has 10 turnover-worthy plays. So he's throwing picks about when he should be throwing picks. But still, this is this is a, an offense that's been harmed more by turnovers than it has been by quality of play. Like 10 turnovers or 10 turnover-worthy plays on a season, 10 games in, not great. Turnover-worthy play per game, not great. That's stifling the offense. And sure, I think we can both agree that Ken Dorsey was too quick to abandon the run when it was working for him. But the, like, these losses have swung on such small margins. I mean, you look at the Jets game to start the season. They lost that game because Josh Allen threw three picks. I still think Josh Allen has played like the best quarterback in the league so far this year. But we're, we're blaming the outcome of this team and the quality of this team on what I think has been swung in large part by turnovers. I think I think the uh, offensive aspect of this is something we are just not not going to agree on. Evidently not. All right, next up, final final news item we have to touch on this week. Joe Burrow gets injured Thursday night. He's out for the season with a torn ligament in his wrist. Jake Browning, currently the uh, starting quarterback for the Bengals, and I accidentally typed in our rundown, Joke Browning, which is uh, hilariously accurate. The big controversy coming out of this is that the social team for the Cincinnati Bengals posted a video of Joe Burrow getting off the team plane for the Thursday night football game where he was wearing a brace, and now the NFL is investigating to see if the Bengals were hiding a wrist injury prior to the game. Joe Burrow either aggravates or hurts further that wrist during the game, and uh, now he can't throw a football. Are the Ravens and Chiefs going to be the only competitors in the AFC just by sheer injury discount for all the other competitors? 
Yeah, because I mean, obviously the Jags are frauds, as we've covered. Jags are frauds. Chargers aren't competitors. Bills are getting hurt out of the picture. Bengals are now out of the picture because of injury. Browns lost their penis touching uh, quarterback, <laughs> or I guess he's not the penis toucher, but you get my my point. Oh. And now they're going to start Dorian Thompson Robinson for the rest of the season. Steelers have Kenny Pickett. That's nothing. Like how, how much worse are they with Dorian Thompson Robinson? How much worse is that offense? Yeah, I mean, marginally. 20%? Yeah. If that, yeah. I think the Chiefs are runaway. Chiefs and Ravens are, are runaway favorites right now in this conference. Yeah, I think the Ravens currently have the one seed in the conference. Chiefs play a ridiculously hard game this week against the Eagles on Monday night. Both teams coming off a bye, by the way. Dolphins can't win a big game. So, like, like can't beat a uh, top team, so we're still unsure about them. Yeah. I mean, the, the Dolphins ceiling is to a Tagovailoa ceiling, and, and that's not that not that high relative to other quarterbacks in, in the conference. Broncos seem a little resurgent, but even if they make the wild card, are you scared of the Broncos? No. I thought you were going to drop a frisky on me for a second. Texans ramping up, baby. <laughs> Texans ramping up. Texans have a legit defense and a, a legit offense now, but still, are we we so buying into Stroud crowd that we're going to believe a, a rookie quarterback making a Super Bowl run? As right now. State, the only quarterback to win a Super Bowl is Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> Not true. Um, right now, would you say right now the Texans are playing like the fourth best team? I was going to say fourth. But who's the third? Like, I guess the Bills are the third best team in the AFC right now? I think by overall season, it'd be the Dolphins. But like we said, they got to beat a good team for us to see Sue Bindum. In the one game, are you taking neutral site? You taking the Dolphins or the Texans? Oh, that's a tough one. Neutral site? I mean, I, due to my, my biases, I definitely would take the Texans. On a neutral site field, it looks like the Texan or the the Dolphins will be favored by about seven points. Really? Yeah, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. Wrong. Right now, according to predictability, the, on a neutral site, the Dolphins will be favored by two points over the Bills. Does that feel right to you? Yeah. Pretty brutal for Bills fans right now. Been a rough week, buddy. Been a rough, rough week. If you had to, if you had to, to just throw out right now what you think the final seven teams from the AFC in the playoffs are. Who, who are you giving me? As a Chiefs, Ravens, Dolphins. The math just works out. I don't think Buffalo will catch them. The Jaguars, because... Someone's got to win that division. Someone's got to win the division, but the Texans are hot on their heels. Texans are making it. Now, then it gets interesting, because what are the Steelers and what are the Browns? Mm-hmm. The Chargers' record's rough. Yep, they're four and five. They're currently a third place in their own division. The Bills could the Bills can get in still. Mm-hmm. Do you go in Bills? Yeah, I'll put the Bills in there. All right, you got space for one more team. Here are the teams you don't have in yet. Jets, Patriots, Raiders, Chargers, Broncos, Steelers, Browns, Bengals, Colts, and Titans. I'm going to say the... I think the Browns are going to somehow immaculately still get in. I would go with largely the same list, except I would take Steelers instead of Browns. Okay. Getting getting kind of rough in the AFC. One more question on Joe Burrow for you. Should we start to be concerned about the mounting injuries he's had so far in his career? I think so. Not super concerned, but it's definitely uh, a point to make, like a conversation to have. 
misses his almost his whole rookie season because he gets that tears his ACL early on, and then the calf injury this year. Did he miss time last year? I'm sure he did. I can't remember I off the top did. of my head, but I feel like he's missed time every year. Yeah, so it's yeah, I feel like he's missed time last year. It's the calf to start this year. Now the wrist. He he's getting beaten up. Joe Burrow, the next Andrew Luck. No, I I don't think the. The Bengals have done things to improve the offensive line. But then again, a big thing with Luck was he said he just couldn't, mentally he just couldn't take the constant process of get hurt, rehab, get hurt, rehab. It just took the, took the sucked the fun out, of, fun out of the game for him, his passion. All right, Mike, you ready to, to move on and talk about some games happening this weekend? All right, Mike, my game of the week, got a fun one for you. Got a weird one. The game I'm putting on over every game that isn't the Commander's game. The Arizona Cardinals at the Houston, Texas. Texans currently sitting line around four, four and a half Houston, over under 48 and a half. Both teams won last week on a last second field goal to win their games by a combined five points. Mike, is Kyler Murray back? Kyler played good last week. But they really don't want to be winning games right now. So he could be back, but he can't be too back. Like, settle down a little bit. <laughs> But he does want to be winning games because if you get if he wins enough to put the Cardinals in the fifth sixth spot, they got to draft to help him. They can't draft to get a quarterback. That uh, yeah, that 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 is true. But now the yeah, Kyler Murray's hot, but Texans are too hot to handle right now. Yep. Once again, Stroud crowd seventh ranked in EPA per dropback. Kyler Murray kind of looked rusty in the game, but managed to tack on running touchdown. Was an efficient passer. Drove him downfield on the last second uh, drive to get the field goal. Kind of looking forward to, in this game, just the sheer incompetence of both these rush defenses. Jonathan Greenard and Will Anderson are a really high-tier pass rush combo that hasn't quite broken into the mainstream yet. But when you look at the rush defense, both of them, both rush defenses grade pretty lowly. So I think we could see like a huge James Conner, Devin Singletary day which is outrageously funny to me. Just, just rolling out Damian Pierce doing anything? He's out. He's injured. Oh, he's out. Right. Mm-hmm. That's right. I'm sorry. The I just think it's interesting here that the, the line opened at minus four. It's now at minus six for Houston. Oh, is, is that, it? It went up two more points. I wonder what got yeah. announced that I missed. Yeah, is that? I don't know. Is that Cardinals plus six a little, a little tempting? Right? Especially with a mobile quarterback and this team's propensity to not be very good against rushing quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Can we see Kyler rush for like 70 yards? With his little toddler run? I mean, yeah, I think he definitely... That's going to be a big factor of this game, is his ability to, to to break off those runs and get outside. I I don't think... like I think the Texans are very good. I think they're going to win a good chunk of more games this season, make the playoffs. But I do think a lot of those are going to be one-score wins. Yeah, I I cuz they're not a dominant team. They just have they're ahead of schedule. Mm-hmm. I was going to say Noah Brown questionable though. There goes our top target. Done. Nico Collins playing? Yeah, Nico's not on the injury report. Neither is Tank Dell, so it'll be fine. Oh, no, according to covers.com, Noah Brown is out. Okay. Done. I kind of think Kyler Murray's going to be doing a lot of out of script running. Because like I said, I think Jonathan Greenard and Will Anderson are quite good. Most goodly. Most goodly. <laughs> most goodly. So just to get to the core of things here, we'll move on. We'll get your game of the week. My score prediction, 27-20 Houston. 
Houston covers the spread, hits the under. My oddly specific prediction this week, Mike, as much as mm-hmm. I've talked them up, I think we see Greenard and Anderson combined for zero sacks. Are you sure? Oh, wow. I think Kyler Murray's too elusive. I think they're going to rely on the run. I don't think we see them get a, get home a single time. Okay, so that's more about Kyler's escapability than the fact that the Cardinals have a Swiss like, cheese offensive line. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that just goes to your point that he's going to be toddler running all all over the field. You think man, think we're gonna... can that man toddle? You want to for fun? Do you want to place down a prediction on his rushing yardage? Ooh, I said seventy plus yards, so I got to kind of stick by my priors, right? Yeah. I'm going to say 72 yards and a touchdown. And a tutty. All right. I like it. All right, Mike, you want to give me your game of the week? Yeah. I mean, I went, with the, I went with the most obvious pick. Went chalk. Philly at Kansas City. Super Bowl rematch. The line currently sits at. Kansas City minus two and a half. Yeah. They're at home. So they're getting a the little home three and a half. I don't... Uh, that doesn't happen anymore, Mike. They say oh, home field right. advantage is worth about one to one and a half points now. Thank you. I'm sorry. Sorry. I didn't mean to disrespect the betting people with their models and whatnot that they run all these big numbers through and it prints Professional out talker, on a, Mike Regan. Yeah. And it prints out on an old timey like printer. That's like, Oh, I was thinking like ticker tape. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, like one of those really long pieces of tape that just keeps running out. Yeah. Ticker tape. Yeah. Ticker, ticker tape. Ticker tape. I Everybody know knows. talking about that or like one of those, those like dot matrix printers that you had like the little tear tabs on the side of for some reason. That's what I was thinking of. Those are two different things, Mike. You got to pick one or the other. Ticker tape, constant stream. Tells you the to- stock prices. Dot matrix, one print. Folds itself, but you got the little tear tabs. Know your outdated technology. All right? Come correct to this fucking I'm podcast. I'm sorry. Uh, the Chiefs have been a little, uh, fair to say, been a little up and down lately. On offense, yeah. The defense, fucking solid, man. Stevie yeah, Spags, the Spagmeister general. Yeah, their defense has been playing so Spaghetti. great. Fourth All ranked season. EPA per play, by the way. Second ranked in DVOA, I think. Wow. I think that could be... Last time we saw... Would you say the Jets is the best defense the Eagles have faced, or would you say the Cowboys? Cowboys. Cowboys? Okay. Well, they won that game, barely, 28-23, but they pulled off the win there because the Cowboys can never win the division ever again. That was also a really bad Jalen Hurts game. It was. There's some Jalen Hurts questions. He's not having the year he was having before, and he's facing a very tough defense this week. I kind of like the Kansas City minus two and a half, personally. As long as the Chiefs offense can get it together a little bit. I don't know. Bet, betting against the Rhino is tough. The baby Rhino. Worth noting, last time Jalen Hurts faced uh, little, little Stevie Spaghetti mm-hmm. was in the Super Bowl when he proceeded to have the best game in NFL history for a quarterback who lost the Super Bowl. Is that shoot? That's a shoot, brother. That's a shoot, brother? Hmm. Best game by EPA yards and touchdowns. Wow. I didn't I did not know that. Do you think the winner of this game jumps up to the top of the odds to win the Lombardi? Yes. But I don't know how justified that is. I think whoever wins this game immediately becomes the favorite. But I still think, I guess, I, I guess I'm giving away my inner notion that I think Kansas City is going to win this game. I still think the Eagles should be the favorite. And I think the Ravens should be in second place. And then Kansas City. And Kansas City. My other note here is 
over under a 45. I like the over there. Yeah, I, I kind of split on that. It opened at 49 and it's dropped down dramatically. So this is like a stale, stay the hell away from it kind of line. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, man. 45 seems kind of low for these two teams. I mean, think about the Super Bowl when they each cleared 30 points. Yeah, I mean, even if we get like a 28-21 game, you're over. Yeah. I, I, could, I could totally see that happening. But Kansas City has a raucous home field advantage. Uh, I mean, depending on how much you think home field advantage is really a thing, but that crowd can get pretty wild and they do their racist uh, thing. Um, I, guess, I don't know if that's considered racist, but I'm just shocked it's still a thing a little bit. Uh, I think Kansas City wins this game. Now, you know what? Actually, fuck it. Bills are having a rough season, so I'm not going to be nice to Kansas City anymore. I'm jaded, and I'm jealous. This game ends with a strip sack on Patty Mahomes by the baby rhino himself. Jalen Carter has his best game of the year against Kansas City. 12 sacks, 13 sacks, that kind of thing. That might be a bit much. I don't know how many sacks they're getting because Patrick Mahomes likes to do that Houdini shit where you're like, they got, okay, no, never mind. There he goes. He's rolling out to the right. So worth noting in this game, it is the fourth-ranked defense by EPA per play against the fourth-ranked offense by EPA per play. It doesn't really mean a lot. It's just symmetrical, and that's fun. Everyone in this game, all the important players in this game are healthy except for Dallas Goddard, Mm -hmm. which is awesome. Like, you love to see it. And my last note here, I have no place I can possibly fit this in to any content we do anywhere, so I'm forcing it here. The AFC is 32-21 and against the NFC. Really? Yeah. That makes sense. The AFC, I feel like the AFC is deeper, don't you? Yeah. I agree. And like I said, I got nowhere to fit that in, but, uh, you know. It's a stat. <laughs> it's, it's a good stat. All right, Mike, any, any final thoughts on uh, Philly, Kansas City? Hey, you know what? I want to I thank NFL Networks for putting good games in good time slots. We Thank had a good God. Sunday night game last week. We should have had a good Thursday night game, but injury happened, and that's the only thing that prevented it. Like you can't blame you can't blame broadcast partners for that. Did you say a good Sunday night game last week? Yeah, wasn't the Sunday night game? Oh wait, was Sunday night game <laughs> Jets Raiders? <laughs> Jets Raiders. I was like, what are you talking about? Never mind. I, I retract my previous statement. <laughs> but we're we're getting a good Monday night game here too. So I, I want to thank the uh, the NFL for for buoying prime time a little bit. Yeah, unfortunately, they're not booing, booing the Sunday night game still with Vikings-Broncos. Oof. I bet that game looked better preseason. I don't know why any Broncos... Like, I don't know what people thought. the Bron- like, Some people were over-hyping the Broncos this year. I don't know why they ever thought that game would be better. Oh, who knows? I mean, their defense is so bad, you expect the- those games to be good. But their offense is also just anemic. All right, my next game. And actually, my final game I'm highlighting this week. Yeah. Dallas Cowboys at Carolina Panthers. Don't know what the line is now because I, I'm, I'm a little hesitant since I kept being wrong earlier in the segment. But last time I checked, Dallas minus 10.5, over under set at 42.5. Mike, I, I see the look on your face. You think this is a weird pick for a, a game of the week category thing. No. Here's why Dallas has been cooking lately. Their first in EPA per play since the loss to San Francisco. In that time range, Dak is the number one quarterback in EPA per dropback. So, Mike, if we could pause here for a second so you can tell me that Dak is a good quarterback. Dak is a good quarterback. He's there back. we go. That's Dak. all I needed to hear. You can stop talking now. C.D. Lamb, since that San Francisco game, 617 yards, three touchdowns in the last 
four games. Could Dallas, once again, total, 42 and a half. Could Dallas cover that total all by themselves? That you actually stole what I was going to say is that that 42 and a half is, it's very possible Dallas covers that by themselves or Dallas puts up 40 and the Panthers get a field goal. Like That's a totally plausible ending of this game. Dallas also has just not been taking their foot off the gas in garbage time. Last week, they were up 28. They were still throwing deep. This team wants to embarrass teams, and that is why this game is on the list. Because this is like when you would play NCAA 2013 and just crush a team 45-zip. They've had a few games like that. And the funny thing is, like, like a lot of them, so they, they, they lose to the Cardinals. They come back and hang 38 on the Patriots. They lose to the get demolished by the Niners and then they only win 2017 to the Chargers but then they drop 43 on the on the Rams they lose to Philadelphia and they come out and drop 49 <laughs> on the Giants so they don't they don't take these losses well and they come out and want to annihilate their opponents and I would say a sign of a good team is a team that beats good teams narrowly and crushes bad teams and Dallas yeah. is halfway there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they keep losing to good teams but they crush bad teams this is, like, we've, we've talked about this on and off. This is a confusing year for MVP. Is it time to start talking about Dak in that conversation? I can't believe I'm going to say it, but I'm, I'm going to give it to you. Like, I think, yeah, I definitely think Dak, the way Dak's been playing, like, even in the Eagles game, I don't, I don't remember him being atrocious. I thought he played a good game, didn't he? Yeah, he, he played really well. Like, his last bad game was San Francisco. Yeah, that, that may have definitely, like, awoken something in him. He was like, I, I, can't, I can't depend on everybody else to get this done. I can't depend on the defense. I can't depend on Tony, pa- Tony Pollard, who going into the season, I said is not going to be as good as both the numbers people think he is. He's going to have to chip in. Maybe that was on me for buying in, but it seems real dumb in retrospect to say, you know who's going to be a good running back? That guy who broke his leg in two places less than a year ago. <laughs> yeah, I've picked up uh, Rico Dowell, I think in a Dowdle, I think in both my fantasy leagues. He's, he's, he's dowdling it up, man. He's hot. He's he's hot right now. If you are Bryce Young, I'm retiring. I I know I'm gonna come into the locker room with a limp and be like, can't go, can't go, guys. Sorry, because I don't want to face Micah Parsons if I'm Bryce Young. Micah Parsons might kill that man. <laughs> it is going to be rough if I am. Uh, is Dan Quinn still the defensive coordinator in Dallas? Yeah. Okay. If I'm Dan Quinn, I'm, I'm dialing up zero blitzes. I'm yeah. I'm not scared at all. Deron Bland's back there. He'll take care of the. Best. I know. I was He'll gonna say. Care. I was gonna say it, the only question Dan Quinn should be asking is: Does he blitz Deron Bland or does he drop Deron Bland into coverage? That should be the only question that Dan Quinn has thought about all week. Yeah, I mean, you literally Deron Bland, Stephon Gilmore back there. Dial up the safety blitzes. Just dial it curse, all up. Yeah. I mean, Bryce Young hasn't handled pressure well at all this year. He'll be terrified. He'll be either throwing it away or putting it in the dirt one or the other as much as i love the man last note here we need to come up with a term for when one team covers the spread or when one team covers the total my bad when one team covers the total we need a word for that is it the solo well we'll workshop it we'll come back next week with it how about that all right all right all right right, mike you want to you want to spoon feed me your next game you want to dribble it into my mouth yeah, I'm just a sucker for divisional matchups as we're learning. Yeah, I have. I, I don't have. I think the game you're about to talk about that I don't have this for, but your other game, I just had the what's with you in divisional matchups, man? 
Yeah, I just I'm a sucker for him, especially like late in the season down the stretch. Browns, Steelers. There's a lot on the line here. Take over my, the two uh, spot. My top note for for this game is the uh, immortal question: Are you drunk? What are you talking about? You you excited to see Dorian Thompson Robinson versus Kenny Pickett? Excited, no. But hey, everybody wanted to poo-poo. Oh, Raven Browns, Ravens Browns gonna be boring. Ravens gonna just stomp all over them. And it turned out to be one of the best games of the week. So don't even come at me here. We don't know. Dorian Thompson runs for like 150 yards. I don't even know if he's a really mobile quarterback, to be honest with you. Um I I his name strikes a memory for me from when he played in college, but I do not remember what school it was. Uh you wanna he, you wanna take a you wanna wager a guess on that one? On a Maryland. Let's see here. Final guess, Maryland? Yeah. UCLA. Damn it. I knew that. that. You were on the fucking wrong side of the, the map. I was at the total other end of the country. That's fucking embarrassing. I mean, this what a line, showdown. This line somehow, 1.5 in favor of Cleveland. Is that how little they value the quarterback spot for the Browns? Yeah, Probably. Do you, I mean, do you have do you have the over under in front of you? By the way, feel, you feel free to finish your thought, but don't pull up the over under if you don't have it in front of you. Okay, I don't have it in front of me. Okay, we'll play a game in a second. Yeah, I think whichever team puts up fourteen points wins this game. <laughs> it won't take a lot. No, Kenny Pickett's having as great as his preseason was. He's having a terrible year. Like poor George Pickens is just out there. Like dear God, someone get me. I have George Pickens in fantasy, and I just bench him now because I can't do it anymore. He got Deontay Johnson hard right in the face. Yeah, the last good game he had was the last time they played Cleveland, and he had that touchdown, that big touchdown towards the end of the game. Like, uh, What's the over-under? Take a guess. 38 and a half. Knock a touchdown off of it, and you are correct. 31 and a half? 32 and a half. 32 and a half? I can't count. Um, I was including the extra point. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Is that... Uh... 30? Two and a half. 32 and a half. It's, it's, when you think about it, you're like, that actually kind of makes sense. Yeah. Like, like, this is at 32 and a half. I still kind of want to bet the under. Yeah. So, this is, there's been some in the, for those who don't know, the Big Ten West is terrible and anemic when it comes to offense. There's been some wild over unders. A couple weeks ago, there was one that was 28 and a half, a sub 30 over under and the under hit. And so this is one of those over unders where like, for example, PFF's like, oh, there's value in the over. A lot of times when an over under is super low, betters are like, no, there's value in the over because it's just so low. Where the chance? And it's like, no, these offenses are that bad. This is totally plausible. I kind of want to hit the under on this. <laughs> when I first, when I, when I was listening to a couple people talk about this game, I do want to point out that someone said that it was the same over-under that would happen if Utah and Northwestern played. Yeah. <laughs> one big one Big Ten West team. Exactly. Like, it, they're just terrible over there. Uh, I'll give the... I'm going to give the Browns a little bit of an edge. They're at home. I think... I know we're not... I'm not doing a specific prediction, but I think Miles Garrett's going to just feed on Kenny Pickett all day. But then again, TJ Watt's just going to feed on <laughs> Dorian Thompson-Robinson. So who if, fucking knows? If you... If you came back from the future and the only note you were allowed to say was this game had seven and a half sacks in it, would you be surprised at all? No. 
Shit, we might get more sacks and points. Yeah. Oh my god. FanDuel, give us odds on that. Like, what, what would you put that at? Plus 1,400? I'm betting that instantly. Or better yet, give me odds on more defensive points than offensive points, and I might take it as well. Yeah, so that's the thing. The only universe in which both these teams clear 10 points is a couple of defensive touchdowns, right? Yeah. Should we bet the under? Should we, like, should I just go full sail in on the under and see what happens? If I have a good day with all my college football bets out there, I might have to throw some on this under, carry it over. Let's, uh, I had it pulled up right here. Uh, minus 102 on the under. So obviously the over is being favorited, like I mentioned once again, because it's so low. Yeah, just hold off. That By tomorrow, that's going to be back up to 33. You'll get another half point in your favor. Probably. I wonder if I, because I'm a degenerate. You want to go ahead, just for shits and giggles. You know how I'm always chasing that plus money. Tease this down to 30, 30 and a half. You don't think they're going to break 30. Plus 124. Oh, man. Get a little need, too low for you now? No, because you would need both those teams to score more than two touchdowns. Oh, did I say over? Oh, did you say under? Well, no, no, no. either way. 30 and a half. You would need both these teams to score more than two touchdowns for that to hit the over. And in what universe is that happening? I mean, strip sacks by TJ Watt. That's the problem. My only concern with the over in this game is defensive touchdowns. All right. Fuck a second, man. We've been talking about Steelers Browns too long. Give me me your next game. I I cut one of them off. We don't need to talk just Bills. I can't do any more Bills talk for the week. You didn't Um, put that on your list, so that's fine. Okay, good. Uh, only their one. Bears-Lions. And I'm only bringing this up. The Lions are going to kick their ass. But I'll only bring this up because Justin Fields is back. And he has... They've played nine games now, correct? Because they already had their bye. Sure. I, I believe. Know. I have to look it up. Oh, no, they've played 10 games now. So Justin Fields has a seven-game audition to somehow miraculously try to convince the Bears not to draft Caleb Williams with the number one overall pick. This is your, t- this is your last chance, Justin Fields. Let's see what you can pull off. Why has this line moved from Detroit minus 10 to Detroit minus 8? Because of Justin Fields. Really? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's two points better than Bajan, than T-Bag. I guess. I'll give you that. He's two points better than T-Bag. So, I was going to say, this seems like kind of a big edge for the Lions. Minus 8 on the road. Oh, at home. Never mind. Minus oh. 8 still. But in what world... Are the Lions not winning by two touchdowns? Yeah, they're winning by, even if you don't think two touchdowns, it's at least 10. The Actually, FanDuel has the line at minus seven and a half. So. Yeah, that's what I had written down. Here's what I want to talk about with this game, Mike. Yeah. Let's talk about the Lions for a second. Yeah. Mike, what is Jared Goff's biggest problem? Tiny hands. Exactly. And what? why is tiny hands a bad thing if you're an NFL quarterback? Can't get a good grip on the ball. You're prone to strip sacks. Exactly. And what makes it harder to grip the football? Bad weather. Exactly. Man, same fucking wavelength, Mike. (laughs) So Jared Goff has notably always played worse in bad weather. He's played worse in bad weather than in good weather. He has played worse outside of a dome than in a dome. The Lions' home field is in a dome. Seven... Out of the remaining eight games the Lions play are in a dome. All right. All they have right. four home games. They're at Saints, at Cowboys, at Vikings. Cowboys isn't a true dome, but it's in the South, and it's a partial dome, counting it. They're currently the two seed. If they get the number one seed, 
they will play seven out of their eight remaining games in a dome, and then all of their playoff games in a dome, and then the Super Bowl this year, Mike, is in a dome. If they get the one seed, is there anything that can stop them? They don't have to deal like they like honestly. You look at the splits. Jared Goff plays so much worse in bad weather than in good weather, and it is the small hands thing. That's where the concern mm-hmm. comes from. And they are on the precipice right now of having weather not be a factor. They are on the verge of playing my perfect NFL, where weather does not account for shit. There is one thing, as lovely as domes are for a guy like Goff. It's called Joey Bosa. It's called the Eagles defense. It's called teams where the weather don't matter. Now, good thing for him tomorrow, because, you know, the Bears are such a test. Forca- forecast is clear and sunny. They're playing, <laughs> they're playing in Detroit. In oh, a so they're in a dome. They have one of the domes you can open? No, it's just no. a dome. Cheap-ass stadium. But seriously, like, you're taking away one of the biggest negatives in Goff's playing career if you get the one seed. And they're, they're on a great path because they're taking weather out of the equation for seven of their next eight games. I think, I think the lot, I, when we did our, our playoff kind of midway point predictions, I had the Lions at one. It's, it's such a swing if you're right. It's such a swing if they hit the one seed and don't have to go on the field to play in the link in Philly in January. Yeah, that would not be favorable. To golf in his tiny hands. Let me see what their. Yeah, I mean their defense is like middling, so that could be a pro. Like I feel like it could be a lot of shootouts against playoff caliber teams that you're gonna have to try to pull out. But they can they can hold their own in shootouts, especially when you're not dealing with cold balls making Jared Goff's tiny hands more susceptible to strip sacks. Well, let's see. Real I saw you quick. chuckle when I said cold balls, by the way. I saw that in your face. <laughs> and they got in a shootout with the Seahawks. It was just a, a one, it was a six point loss, one score. Got in a shootout with the, well, they didn't get into a shootout with the Ravens because the Ravens dominated them by six points. So that kind of goes to the thing of like, can you get into a shootout when you have an elite defense coming at you? Uh, was that game, that game was in Baltimore, though. In Baltimore, yeah. In October, when it was cold. Not that cold. It's Baltimore. That's true. Baltimore says, Shitty weather all the time. It's a depressing state. Yeah, fuck Maryland. <laughs> fuck Maryland. Turpins suck. If you're listening to this podcast from Maryland, go move. Get out of there. Get the Let's fuck go, out of there. Go literally like an hour, not even like 35 minutes south here in Virginia. You're in Nova. Well, I guess Maryland is still part of Nova, but you know what I mean? Maryland's part of Northern Virginia? Maryland's not part of Nova. <laughs> You got anything else on the Detroit Chicago game? When yeah, it turns just, out, what's up? <laughs> and it ends, you know, forty-eight to forty-five, and we're here next week, being like, "God damn, hell of a game." <laughs> nope, no notes for me. All right, you wanna? You sure you don't want to talk Seattle uh, Rams? You, you get don't got anything good on that? No, I just think it's it's a trap game for Seattle. They're trying to hang with the Broncos in this division, and Aaron Donald. Broncos. Sorry, how did I say that? The 49ers in this division and Aaron it's Donald. Weird and... Mike Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan brain hemorrhage thing there you just did. Maybe on some deep level of my subconscious it was, but I wouldn't give myself that much credit. Uh, I just think this is a game where Aaron Donald and company could have different plans for the Seahawks. 
Well, Matt Stafford's still dealing with a thumb injury. Puka Nakua, questionable, but he's supposed to play. All he's you need is the poke. All you need is the poke. You don't want to touch on Giants-Washington at all. Uh, Jesus Christ, man. If you're sitting down to watch Giants-Washington and you're not a fan of one of those two teams, check into football rehab. Nine and a half point favorites, the Too Commanders. Did you, you expect them to ever have a near 10 point spread in their favor this season? No. Even, like, the offense has been good. Sam Howell's looked good. 10 points? Let's, let's be fucking real here, guys. Is over under 37 and a half. Is the Giants' defense so bad Washington covers on their own? No, no. no. Right. Washington ain't scoring 38. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, kind of, I did the kombucha girl. Really talked myself into that one as I was saying it. Sam Howell at the moon. Who knows? That's my, that's my name in one of my uh, fantasy leagues. All right, Mike, we got uh, one final segment here, and we're going we're gonna to skate to one song and one song only. Doing a little draft check-in. Yeah. Seeing... Seeing where the landscape is, giving our thoughts on things. So quick note to start it off. I, I don't know if you heard this or not, but Quinn Ewers announced he's returning to Texas next year. That's the scoop scoops, it, but it sounds pretty positive. He was in the running to be a uh, top five quarterback. You have third here. I, don't, I never really saw that, that, but he was definitely in talks to be top five quarterback drafted. Yeah, that, that change it has dropped down at one point. Some people were putting him third on their boards, which I never did. I had Bo Nix and Michael Penix battling it out for three because I'm smart. If Quinn Ewers goes back, does he still start over Manning? Yeah, I listened um, to a, a po- the Athletic has a good college football podcast just to give shout outs called Until Saturday. <laughs> Very different than on Saturday. We did not intentionally make that similar. Um, but if you happen to be looking for Until Saturday and find on Saturday, no complaints from me. Yeah. Uh, and they talked about how like the perception of Arch Manning was a little like skewed because of his last name. No program really saw him as a guy who's going to come in and start right away. And I think if Quinn Ewers returns, he's probably still the starter. Like, keep in mind, Arch Manning's third on the depth chart right now. So you don't think Arch Manning's going to be the next Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning, Charlie Lawrence? I mean, we'll have to wait. We have to wait and see just how good he is against college defenses once he gets his chance. But I do think Ewers comes back and Malik Murphy, their number two, who played a, little, a couple of games this season, he's, uh, he's sitting the transfer portal. That's why Going this news... Liberty? <laughs> Liberty has a good team this year. Um, that's why this news hit when it did, because the window for players to start declaring a transfer opens up very soon. Did they do the Michael Scott thing? They just walk outside and yell they're declaring it for a transfer? I declare a transfer. No one's in the locker room. Yeah. That's how Jalen Hurts got out of there. That's how he got out of Alabama. So, like I said, we're doing a draft check-in. I basically have a list of top-line questions for you here that we're going to go through, and then I'll tell you why you're wrong. As I, once again, have watched one college football game and now believe the Ohio State kicker is the best player in college. So that's your answer for the first question on the rundown? Yes. So first question. First question. Off the board, who is the best player in this draft, Mike? So this connects with another question that you have. Can you guess which question it is? Is Marvin Harrison Jr. really that good? The full question was, is Marvin Harrison Jr. really that good? Come on now. That good? Really? Uh, Two answers. He's the best player in the draft, and yes, he is that good. Give me a a cross-sport comp for Marvin Harrison. 
cross sport. Not in anything about the way they play, but uh, Wemby last year was just so like perfect, so ready for the NBA. He's going to get the NBA and immediately make an impact. That's Marvin Harrison Jr. Marvin, Har- Marvin Harrison Jr. could be a top 15 wide receiver in the league today. I stand by it. What is skill set? What does Marvin Harrison Jr. do well? He's got size, 6'4". Might want to put on a little bit of weight, but he's a good size. 6'4", runs a 4'4", 40. He's such an elite route runner. Like there, my One of my comps he reminds me of is Larry Fitzgerald. I was I, I was trying to think like I, I was thinking Jamar Chase, Devontae Adams. Is he like that caliber of route runner? I mean Jamar Chase is just pure athleticism sometimes, but is that is that the kind of guy we're talking about here? Someone who can break people off on on in breaking routes? Absolutely. And you see like you'll see a lot of wide receivers in college that are putting up big numbers, but then when you go back and look at them, it's like, all right, they can run like a go route and a slant, maybe one other. MHJ, Maserati Marv, as Gus Johnson likes to call him, can run. Just like, the whole playbook is open to him. There's no route that he is going to struggle with. He can make contested catches. He does a great job of locating and adjusting to the ball. And he's had to do it a lot this year, going back and just watching uh, some of the tape on him. There's so many underthrown balls down deep from Kyle McCord that he has to like slow up and lean back to get it. <laughs> Last year, his drop rate was only 3.8%. Sure hands. I comped him to Larry Fitz, and I can't. I I can't believe I'm gonna do this. Not quite as big, like just buff size wise. I think he's got that to stride. When you see him catch a ball and start moving, he's got that gait. I like how you thought. Let me compare this guy to a Hall of Fame wide receiver, and didn't go with Marvin Harrison. That's true, but I mean, think about that. Like that dude has been getting how to be a wide receiver drilled into his brain probably since he was three years old. <laughs> Do you think the Colts are going to draft him? Where are the Colts currently sit? Oh, you're just being funny because of Marvin Harrison. <laughs> no, he won't. He will not make it that far. Where do you think he goes right now? So, with the way, with the way the draft board's currently set up, if Justin Fields is bad Justin Fields for seven more games and Caleb goes first or Drake May goes first. Giants are going Marvin Harrison Jr. because they're stuck with Daniel Jones. So oh, might as well get so. him. I think I think we see whoever the other quarterback is go to go to New York. And that's a conversation for maybe a different time. But I am beyond ecstatic for the offseason talk going in to the draft where the Giants have the number two pick. Oh I Do could you? faint. I could faint thinking about how much fun that's gonna be. Like you said, this is a conversation for another day, but do you think there's a world where some team is like, oh, we have a good offensive line, better weapons. We can make Daniel Jones work and actually no. trades for him. I think Daniel Jones is going to be a $69 million dead cap hit sitting his ass on the bench next season. He wouldn't be a dead cap hit. He's still okay. on the team, right? I'm sorry. The, you're right. His cap hit is very valuable to the team sitting oh, on the bench for all 17 games. Basically a dead cap hit. I get what you're saying now. What's the difference between not playing and being cut? You got to show up to practice. Is that the only difference? <laughs> show up to pracky. Maybe if it's a blowout, you got to come in for garbage time. Yeah. Hand the, I can't hand wait to watch off. Daniel Jones go 16 for 21 through the entire next season and 95 kneel downs or whatever. Okay. Well, then if that doesn't happen, 
my Larry Fitzgerald comp is great because I think he goes number four to Arizona. Oh, what a weapon! That is for so much fun. That is yeah. so much fun. Like, remember Kyler Dehop for a minute there, and how good mm-hmm. that tandem was for like a season and a half. I mean, Dehop was all roided out, but <laughs> you know how you know how when Barry Bond started doing roids, his head got really big. Yeah, is that what happened to Dehop's hands? They just got bigger. Yeah, started started shoving steroids <laughs> up his ass or whatever, and he just got big hands. He's just ejecting them straight into his hands. Yeah, check his hands for needle marks. All right, Mike. Next question for our draft check-in. Who is the most NFL-ready quarterback in the class? This is so tough. So, I mean, I just had to write down Williams. Oh, God, I'd love me some fucking Bo Nix. People are sleeping on this man. He's going to win the Heisman. I love me some Bo Nix. But I have, I mean, I have Williams and Drake May written down. You got to pick one. Like, most, most NFL-ready. That's not, that's not fair. It's no. The prompt says, who is the... Most NFL-ready quarterback. All right, so since Caleb Williams isn't going to grow three inches all of a sudden, I'm going to say Drake May, which you should agree with, you size queen. Yeah, of course I agree with it. Caleb Williams, 6'1". You think I want crybaby Williams on my team? Damn. Yeah, Drake May is like the prototypical size. He's athletic. He's mobile. He has quick feet. Like, can quickly take off and pick up those yards. Um, Obviously, a really strong arm that can make all throws. Hits him into tight tight windows. Really nice touch when he decides to go deep. Can step into it. Uh, can drive the sideline. He's very poised in the pocket. And he's not as quite accurate throwing on the run as Caleb. But, I mean, a big thing with college quarterbacks that these people look at is like, all right, if his, foot, if his first read's not open, is he just like, oh, shit, what do I do now? <laughs> I got to take off. And you can see that Drake may has the ability to go through his reads, find the open man or pre-snap, find the, the beneficial matchup. Yeah. If I was, if I was a evaluator in the NFL and you came to me and said, all right, what quarterbacks should we draft or what traits should we look at to decide what quarterback we're going to draft? I would go number one, how, how well can they read left to right? I understand you can build an offense without that. And I think that we've seen a lot of success with Tua in that mold. But if I want agnostic quarterback going into a system who can have success, number one, how well can they read a defense left to right? Number two, how good are they as a scrambler? Who can take off? Who can get yards on their feet? Highest EPA play in football the last few seasons has been the unscripted scramble by quarterbacks. And number three is who can drive the ball outside of the numbers accurately. So Mike, Give me the rundown. Of those three categories, who are you giving the number one rank to between Drake May and Caleb Williams? It's such, it's just comes up so chalk. I mean, Caleb, Drake May can do all those things. Caleb on the move, I think is like in, in the pocket. He has this like, who, like I said, Mahomes Houdini, but I, I won't. He just has that Houdini ability where all of a sudden he well, like somehow slips away. Yeah, if you want to use a different magician, he could be Chris Angel. Yeah, or I kind of... <laughs> I put here, he kind of reminds me of, this is weird, but like Drew Brees crossed with Michael Vick. Um, all right, someone get on Photoshop and make that. Yeah, because Vick was the same way. It was like, oh, they got him. Jesus, how'd he get out of that? But the other part, why well, he's not a Vickish, is his ball security when he's scrambling around back there, not great. Oh, and really? I think He's got tiny yeah. hands? I don't think he has tiny hands, but he just sometimes holds it low 
and with one hand longer than you want to. I think when he first gets to the NFL, he could actually be a little turnover prone because of that, because of trying to make hero ball throws. But you know what I love about Caleb Williams? This dude has such a quick release when you watch him. He's like Steph Curry. Yeah, he's got that Steph Curry quick. There's a, a cross-board comparison for you. Uh, like, he doesn't give up on plays, like I said, but he'll be prone to sacks when you're in the NFL because of that. But he's going to be like, holy shit, look at that highlight, and then holy shit, you can't do that. A rookie learning moment. So, like, Anthony Richardson kind of rookie year without the injury? Is that what we should expect? Oh, no. He's not way. Okay. No, he's he's not raw at all, really. He's way farther down the line. And one one thing I will say he definitely has over May is he can make, going back to it again, even though I hate doing it, but, like, you ever see Mahomes make those weird-ass off-balance throws? Yeah, <laughs> off-platform, weird, weird arm angle, stuff like that, yeah. yeah he's at, like, a 100-degree angle sideways, <laughs> and you're like, how did he do that? That's one of the big things that people love about Williams, and I think his accuracy is a little bit more thro- better throwing on the run than Drake May. I feel like Patrick Mahomes broke the NFL because now everyone is like, we got to draft quarterbacks who can throw off platform. Mm-hmm. Where you get CJ Stroud, Justin Herbert, Dak Prescott, who are all quarterbacks that are incredibly at th- incredible at throwing on platform. But because Patrick Mahomes like, is upside down and throws 25 yards downfield, now every quarterback prospect has to be able to throw off platform. He has to be able to do something that most quarterbacks can't, which is not really fair. <laughs> to like compare them to yeah it's it's gonna be such a argument down the line 1a 1b if you're if you want the prototypical size though may is definitely going to be your guy and he also doesn't cry when he loses games yeah. all right next up who is the best pass rusher in this class this is interesting it's kind of like a three-way battle in my opinion you got jared verse from florida state you got Latu latu from ucla and then you got dallas turner out of alabama if you want to, you can throw Chop Robinson in there from Penn State. He's four on most big boards, but I don't, I don't think he's in much conversation to be the first one off the board. Um, the thing with Turner is that he's super fast, athletic, but his size, he's more of an outside linebacker edge rusher. So I feel like with him, you're getting more of just like a premier edge guy compared to a dude like Lazy Latu, 6'5", 265, versus 6'4". I think 260. I forgot to jot it down. These are guys who, if they put on a little more muscle, you're looking at a four down defensive end who will be able to play in the, in the game more than just like put him in at the outside. That, like, I, I don't know. I saw it. I, I heard the term a jack linebacker. I think it's like a really old school term, <laughs> but that outside linebacker is going to come gunning in and going for the quarterback. So, my choices were between Leitu Latu and Verse. Leitu Latu has the production this year over verse i think verse is actually having a down year which is ironic because he could have went in the first round last year but he's still a lot of boards have him number one i'll say that i'm prone to agree with you on that that statement that i would rather have a guy that with size that can play four downs we've seen recently in the nfl the more finesse defensive ends haven't been getting pressure at the same rate just the big size guys have because they're facing so many different types of tackles now. I mean, you're, you're seeing like a wide range of tackles, a wide range of arm lengths on them, a, a height, weight, because offensive tackles have gotten so good at technique that mm-hmm. guys who 15 seasons ago would have been way too small to play can now hold their own on the edge. I mean, I, I know he's not a tackle, but think like uh, Linderbaum on the Ravens, mm-hmm. who's an incredible center, 
despite being small and having short arms. Yeah. So when you're talking draft prospects at pass rush, I like a guy in the Miles Garrett, Jadeveon Clowney role who's just a big fucking dude, especially if they can move. But I just want strength and size on my defensive ends now. Think back, if you will, with me to not last year's draft, the draft before. Big conversation between Trayvon Walker, Thibodeau, and Hutchinson, right? Trayvon Walker went first. I said at the time that was the wrong choice. Uh, Thibodeau went second, and then Aiden Hutchinson fell to the Lions. Which one would you say is having the best career so far? Yeah, uh, Aiden Hutchinson. He's the biggest one. And also, this is a dude who came from the Midwest who is facing fucking big, or from the Big Ten, who is facing big Midwest corn-fed motherfuckers on offensive lines. And that is a thing that goes into it. And I think he was better equipped to go against uh, NFL offensive lines as we're kind of seeing. I just want, I just want a pass rusher who can move fuckers. Yeah. G- give me a guy who can strength rush. And then if you want him to learn finesse moves, then that's the next step. Because Aiden Hutchinson has that, right? Like, he's a big dude. But he also has the spin move that he's getting famous for now. Yeah. Uh, Jared Verse. I mean, you said a guy who can move, so I don't know if you were really thinking about speed. And also, some of these positions are like, like offensive linemen, when they run the 40, I'm like, why is this a thing? (laughs) I see know which one of these big dudes can shuffle their ass five to ten yards down the field to pick up a block. (laughs) Like, that's weird. But, uh... Verse runs uh, the last number I could find uh, was a four five nine forty for a dude who's two hundred and sixty pounds. Yeah, and I'm sure his his ten second split on that is just ridiculous, or his first step is just ridiculous. It is. That's a big thing with him coming off the line. He has a big burst to get uh, Lyman kind of like on the back foot. Like he's do a lot too. Very quick feet. Like that about him. Very very quick feet. I really liked Verse coming into the year. I'm gonna go lay two lots two right now with the right to change my pick, I was kind of looking at some of the offensive lines in the Pac-12, and there's some pretty damn good ones, and Latu's still been playing really well. So I'm going to go Latu Latu right now. All right. Well, we, we got we to gotta burn through these last two questions. We're getting a little bit long on, on time, and got a lot of editing to do today, and I'm sure you would like to go watch Michigan play an unranked team. Best offensive sleeper. So that's fourth round or later. Yeah. Um, do you want me to go homer or non-homer? Go, uh, go homer first, and then we'll hear your non-homer. Notre Dame running back, Audric Estime. He's kind of predicted to go around like that fifth round right now. This is a dude. Averaging six point, who's the guy? Averaging 6.1, 671 of his yards, of his 988 yards, are yards after contact. Uh, runs a 4-4. He has breakaway speed that can get him on the outside around defenders. He's not afraid of contact. He goes at it, but you could also look at that as a negative because he's going to get to the NFL and be playing bigger dudes. <laughs> it's like, I, I wouldn't go at that, man. He's not going to let you get off him. But, I mean, he has the traits of a workhorse quarterback. He's not a pass-catching threat. But I think you could get a really strong runner, a really strong runner. He's not Derrick Henry size. But, I mean, late in the draft, I think that's a great great pick. That could be a boom. Also, very cool name. Yes. Then my non-homer real quick was the Kentucky halfback. That's my thing now. I'm going to say halfback. Uh, Mike Halfback R- Regan, we call you. Yeah. Ray Davis. 5'10", 216. He's smaller than Estime. Um, a Vanderbilt transfer. He's also having a very good year. He has a, This is a weird thing. I see scouting reports point out, but it makes sense. He has the natural... He falls forward. <laughs> Which sounds like a weird thing, but he 
I mean, that's important when you have the ball fall forward. Yeah, does he have like a really long nose or something? Is that weighing him down? Maybe. Tips over. Um, he's got a nice wiggle to him. He can kind of like watching some of the, the tape on him uh, coming into this podcast. He can kind of smoothly shed tackles. Like he goes into contact, but it's not like a big like get off me. It's kind of a big like, whoop, I'm a little oily. I'm going to slide off you. Will that work in the NFL? That's the question. Um, but he's also predicted to be like around the fifth round. But I think he's, I also think he's kind of a sleeper. Watch out for Ray Davis. All right, and similarly, flip over to the other side of the ball. Give me your best defensive sleeper once again, fourth round or later. Yeah, I didn't do my, I didn't put down my my homer one on this one. I just went, and I I cheated because this guy's currently. Some people haven't projected third. Some people haven't projected fourth, and he's kind of moving up draft boards. Terry and Arnold, the uh, cornerback out of Alabama, is having an awesome year. Six one one ninety six. He's not lengthy like first round draft pick Kool-Aid McKinstry, who's all over draft boards, but he attacks downfield. He's explosive. He's well-rounded in coverage. And this was a similar thing last year when I looked at some of the numbers. I was really impressed with like Kool-Aid McKinstry, even though teams were trying to go at him a lot. Stay away from the middle of the field where Brian Branch was lurking around. Um, 56% reception rate against him. And he's getting... He's had 57 targets to Kool-Aid's 35. He has been playing. Defenses are trying to go after him instead of Kool-Aid, and he's responded and had a great year. It's moving him up up draft boards, so this may not count as a fourth-round sleeper, but I love me some Terry and Arnold. And as you know, I've been watching a lot of Bama (laughs) this season, and I fucking love me some Bama this year. All right. That was our uh, our draft check-in. We'll have to do this uh, again in a few weeks, and and really a lot while we gear up for draft season come uh, come playoff time. Yeah, we could... uh throw it in two more weeks and then we got conference champions. We have this week, next week, and then the conference championships, maybe after car- after conference championships prior to all the bowls going, we can do it. Sounds good to me. All right, Mike, any, uh, any final thoughts? Week 11 NFL action. Any, anything else you want to point out here? I think there's some sleeper good games outside of the, uh, the primetime ones that we're all looking forward to. Uh, dear God, Joe Brady, I hope, hope you're a fucking magician <laughs> and we can, uh, Josh Allen always struggles against the Jets, so hopefully you can get him out of that. All right. You want to you wanna hit your plugs? Get the fuck out of here? Yeah. Uh, on Saturday, coming out on Wednesday again, hit the deadline, and follow me at Town Alone Mike, and there's some things in the work, because currently Adam is posting more articles on a weekly basis than me, and that just cannot stand. Yep. So you can, uh, you can follow me, Town Alone Adam. Uh, we have our basket pod coming out today as well. We doubled up on pods today. We've been talking for, oh, Three hours straight. Four hours almost, straight. Yeah, almost four. We have uh, League Pass rankings come out every Tuesday. We have our team talent alone come out probably now moving to Friday since since we're going to be adjusting the podcast schedule a little bit. I also have, or sorry, we also have the full gear preview coming out today. That'll be I out before you hear that. We got that again. Second podcast. <laughs> But that'll be that'll be up before you even hear this podcast. So go check out the the full gear predictions as part of our year long prediction contest, and then catch us back here on Monday reviewing Week Eleven, talking a little Monday Night Football probably. It's uh, Mike's game of the week, and uh, tune in for for anything we got coming up. Trying to get our our social going. Might have uh, our special guest on our podcast last week or for Basky Brendan Lewis. Might have him joining us a few more times in the near future. Duh, with that, there's only one thing left to do here, Mike. We got to thank the man above. 
the man who guides us all in everything we do, and the backup vocalist in Gold Digger. He is Django. And he, he is, is Unchained. Django. <laughs> and he's got one hell of a hog. Shout out to Big Cock Fox. <laughs> <laughs>